Welcome to Buildings and Beyond. A podcast that explores how we can create a more sustainable built environment. By focusing on efficiency, accessibility, and health. I'm Rob Aldrich. And I'm Kelly Westby. My guest this time is Richard Fazy, who is one of the principals and founders of Energy Futures Group in Vermont, EFG. They focus on energy efficiency and renewable energy more on the program side, more on utility programs and policy side. And they're really involved with a, a lot of kind of cutting edge program design all around the country, but mostly in the Northeast. And we talked about a growing trend that many people are, I'm sure, are seeing of electrification. Trying to forego fossil fuels uh, on site, on, you know, don't have oil or gas or propane at a home, at a commercial building. Instead, use cleaner grid electricity or on-site renewables combined with newer and much better heat pump technologies. Uh, a lot of this is driven by carbon emissions. Utilities, states, many programs have mandates to reduce carbon dioxide emissions. Uh, and with cleaner grids, with more renewables, using really efficient heat pump, heat pump technologies can make that a reality. Uh, so Richard and I talked about this quite a bit. In the interest of brevity, we're gonna cut in when we're talking about one of the programs in Vermont they're working on called Zero Energy Now, retrofitting existing homes around the state, uh, combining efficiency measures, heat pumps, and on-site PV to really get very close to zero energy. Yeah, well, that, how, how, what's the status of that? Um, so, Zero Energy Now program was was one uh, that the we were able to um, quickly design, gear up, um, roll out um, in a limited period of time because of uh, there was a funding opportunity that came along, and and uh, we. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of the um, trade association of the home performance contractors in Vermont that we call the Building Performance Professionals Association, or, or BPPA. And uh, BPPA is, is really um, uh, the, the organization that represents the interests and, and promotes the home performance uh, industry in, in Vermont. Uh, there was, a, there was a, um, some, some funding that was available from Green Mountain Power, our largest utility here, and we went after it and, and won it to, to put in place and really to demonstrate that we can take uh, existing older homes in Vermont and, and save 80 to 90 percent of their total energy use through those three elements, weatherization, heat pumps, and, and PV. Um, there, we, there are some, there were a couple homes as well that incorporated some, some biomass, some wood, either pellet or, or, or wood stoves as well too, which, which we, we consider renewable. But we, we had um, uh, some pretty impressive results in, in the, really it was less than one year to get everything up and designed and train the, re recruit and train contractors, um, open the door, roll it out, complete the projects. Um, we did. We got approval in February of 
2016, and we had to have the projects done by uh, by the end of the uh, of that year. So we really had sort of uh, nine nine or ten months to to get it all going, and we we completed um, twenty twenty two projects that um, that saved that will save we're in the process of doing uh, the analysis and going back and, and looking at what they actually used now that we've got a couple winters under our belt but but um, based on the the modeling and we had trued the models up with actual fuel consumption but we we're we are looking at uh, about 79 percent um, uh, total energy savings on average for these homes. Um, so that was that was you know is that site that, that's significant site energy. Uh, that's site energy. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, you know if you if you look at source energy, you know there's some it, there, there are some significant impacts there with saving that electricity at the at the source, but that would be customer site energy. And and we actually are are. Doing uh, some analysis right now, going in and pulling the fuel records from from these homes. The first one that we looked at, uh, actually, they saved more than ninety percent of their total energy. They're, these these people were Man. were generally true believers. They they wanted to get off fossil fuel, and and but they were the you know they're the great great customers to have. But these were this this particular home that that we just um, we just um, looked at was. It's probably twenty years old, twenty-five years old. I forget exactly when it was built, but we we did a you know sort of a ten thousand dollar weatherization job. Um, so not not building out walls and replacing windows, but really sort of basement, attic, air sealing, um, uh, hitting the hitting the high points, uh, and then put in a couple uh, cold climate air source heat pumps and and PV on the roof, and um, actually. Over overloaded the the PV on the roof because they wanted to also um, buy an electric car, which they have in the in the meantime, right. um, and so um, they've they've really sort of um, walked walk the walk in terms of getting off of fossil fuel, and and, and you know so this this is just one of of uh, twenty two homes we did in the first year, and the second year we did another fifteen. So we've got these thirty five homes out there, existing Vermont homes that range from one hundred and fifty years old to 20, 10, 20 years old um, that are really saving a significant amount of of fossil fuel um, through through the electrification uh, pathway. And, and uh, the total cost to get there, I think I saw somewhere in the forties thousands. Yeah, on 40s. on average, while we while we had we had some projects that were that were more, some that were less. So on average, it was about forty thousand um, dollar um, package um, to to do these homes. So that would be you know it's eight eight or ten thousand dollars for for the weatherization work. Um, and it would be uh, about ten thousand dollars again for the heat pumps, and then about twenty thousand dollars for the solar PV. And, and all right, you know that that was, um, but the resulting savings, the dollar savings for um, looking at the oil, propane, electricity that they were using at the time was um, what, what ended up being about three thousand dollars a year savings, and. And um, so uh, we have some. We're fortunate enough in Vermont to have some um, some good financing programs that are available. Some low uh, low interest rate financing for for these types of projects from our um, from a couple credit unions. Um, and and you looked at while we weren't necessarily um, 
asking people to use any one particular source of funding for these. Some people would pull from their savings, but others would, a number of them would use the, the heat saver loan, which is what this is called. Um, the energy savings, the $3,000 a year energy savings, were in, in almost all cases more than what the annual loan payments would cost. So yeah, people, wow. even though these are $40,000 packages, the savings would, would offset that cost. Wow. Yeah. I mean, a lot of deep energy retrofits, uh, you know, the costs start at six figures to really, you know, take old crap, crappy walls and make them R40 and replace all the windows with triple pane windows, which is all good stuff, but very expensive. So this is a right. lower cost way to get close to zero. I wonder, yes. have you guys looked... Have you guys looked at comfort in these homes? Is that part of the evaluation? That is part. That is part of the evaluation that we're we're going through now. We're we're actually um, um, earlier this week we were looking at the set of questions um, that that we'd go back to the homeowners with. So so we wanted we want to know exactly you know how was how was their experience? What, what's their experience like living in these homes? Are are they more comfortable? Because um, most of them, most all of them were were homes that people had lived in before. Some of them, they had, they had recently bought them and wanted to do something about it. We've, we've got a little video online that, that actually is one of the participants who's a, who's a young farmer and they, they bought a, you know, so, um, they, they bought an existing home. They'd been there for a while and they wanted to sort of move, move off of fossil fuels. Um, and so I don't know how many of these people, um, uh, most of these people probably have some experience before and after the weatherization work, but part of the evaluation will will tease that out. Yeah, and that's that's I mean, you know I try not to get too far into the weeds, but that's I mean heat pump technology has come a long ways, but I I still see misapplications where the wrong system is installed in the wrong place and people are unhappy or uncomfortable with the results. So it's something you got to be careful of. It does blow air around, um, so uh, <laughs> so yeah. There are those there are those those potential comfort issues if you don't get it right, and and so um, you know addressing the weatherization component uh, is is important. So we want to make sure that that was that was part of any any uh, picture going forward. But the but that really the what's enabled us to 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 do what we're doing here is. Um, the fact, I mean, I, 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 it's, a, it's a couple things. We've, we've certainly learned how to weatherize buildings. We've become more, more adept and efficient at doing that over, over the last uh, number of decades. But the heat pump technology, is, as you alluded to earlier, has really enabled us to, to um, apply electric heat in, in cold climates. Um, we've got, and I personally have a couple of, couple of heat pumps at home, and and um, and see them operating down to twenty below zero. Uh, actually, we have yeah. them in our office as well too. And and uh, last winter we had a string of days here that were that that hit twenty below, and and uh, they continue to continue to chug along. Uh, they're not as efficient, certainly, as they are at, at warmer temperatures, but they 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 do work. And it's not you know it's it's not um, uh, uh, electric resistance heat. Even you know they they're they don't not getting the best COPs, but it's certainly better than than a COP of one. Um, 
Yeah. So, so anyhow, so the heat pump technology has really enabled us to do this, and the cost of solar uh, has has come down, and we've we've got we've have historically had some um, some really beneficial um, net metering. Um, rules and and uh, incentives uh, here. They're, those are changing a little bit as the market's maturing, but the price of solar is uh, is really competitive with with electricity. So having technology that works in our climate and then is affordable allows us to package these elements together. And you mentioned your office. Your office is is uh, an almost net zero energy, all electric, new construction commercial building. Yes. It is. It's actually. It's actually uh, half of it is a hundred and fifty year old farmhouse um, ah. that we that we we did a deep deep energy retrofit on on that. Um, it um, and then we we doubled the square footage and and that's that's new construction. But we've got our our sixty ceiling, our forty walls, triple glazed windows, um, good good um, uh, insulation around the the slab in one part of it, and the base basement in the other, and and really passive house. Tightness levels of of, uh, of air tightness with with uh, heat recovery ventilation, but and and we've got only heat pumps in here to provide uh, heating and cooling. So we're 100 percent electric. We we snubbed the gas line that ran that runs along out underneath the sidewalk out front, and and all right. So we're, so we don't have to pay that that uh, monthly gas fee, um, and we needed to have electricity anyhow. And um, yeah, we had uh, it's been. It's been almost at um, at net zero. We're 500 kilowatt hours short, and we've got um, we we we've we discovered what's what's going on, and we are taking measures to change that. And we expect we'll have uh, excess electricity next next year as a result of that. Gotcha. Yeah, you're revamping the heat pump system. I think you mentioned. Yeah, we are. We yeah we 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 have discovered through uh, extensive uh, monitoring of of, um, of of our two multi-zone systems that um, they are they are a combination of them being oversized and the fact that the multi-zone systems in a in a tight um, high-performance building don't really it, it's a challenge with it turning down it basically doesn't doesn't turn down to meet the low loads of the building so there's a lot of cycling on and off and and that's really driven the performance of the of the multi-zone systems down um, we're we are replacing the the two outdoor um, multi-zone compressors with five uh, individual compressors to to drive each of the five indoor heads uh, and which will allow us Better control and the ability to turn each of those down uh, to much much lower levels. So we're expecting to to see a, a significant bump up in in our um, COP uh, annual COP and performance of the system over over the next year. In fact, I just this morning scheduled the swap out um, uh, happening beginning of February. So we will be monitoring these for the rest of the winter after they go in on February sixth and seventh. And so um, it will be interesting to see. The comparison, sort of before and after, on a on a per degree day basis, and and and, but our expectation and and the anecdotal experience from from others is is um, that that um, having the the one to one units um, is going to improve the performance of what we see here. And I think people are are people like you are letting other other people learn. I mean, you're learning the hard way, right? Um, 
and many you know manufacturers now heat pump manufacturers now are acknowledging that you know these these multi-zone multi-split uh heat pumps are probably not appropriate for very low load buildings um it, it all depends on the application but yeah seen, well you know i i i believe that that um uh the manufacturer we worked with—I don't know whether we name names here or not—but they, they, they—I know that they've been aware of these issues for a while, and and it was really encouraging to to see just last week coming out with a um, a, a national bulletin going to all their contractors, basically uh, acknowledges this issue and provides some some guidance, um, you know, based on our experience and others about how to design, select, uh, install, and control. These uh, th- these heat pump systems in low load buildings. So that's that was really encouraging to see that response and and um, and acknowledgement that this is an issue and providing some solutions for others going forward. So yeah, we feel a little bit like the guinea pig, but I that's okay. I mean we're 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 in it for for trying to figure out how this works so we can let others um, benefit from that and and not make the same mistakes going forward. Excellent, excellent. So this this kind of new construction or or dramatic gut rehab, I guess, in the case of your office building, that's something that I I personally see that you know going all electric and new construction, very efficient, is almost a no brainer in a lot of building types for a residential or some commercial. Is is that a you know if you can get in my experience, if you can get the loads really low, then heat pump. Technologies are much easier to impl- implement. And is, oh, do you see that? Do you see that trend in programs or in you know? I'm I'm not I'm not seeing it as much as I would like. I think. Well, we've been one of the projects that we've been working on recently too is helping the state of Vermont update the uh, renewal, the residential building energy standards, basically the statewide energy code. On the residential side, and and also the commercial building energy standards, so RBs and CBs. But our so our energy codes um, are are being updated. They'll go into effect uh, a year from now um, after the, the sort of transition period over 2019 and and training and uh, well, we're we're about to go through the rulemaking process, and then there's we'll we'll be training and some support materials that follow that with the implementation date, uh, January of of 2020. But we've we've had a lot of conversation and um, uh, stakeholder group uh, advisory group meeting and discussion about where electrification fits into that. Um, and there's some tensions going on there, but generally, the the industry it's interesting the industry uh sees this exactly as you do rob you know sort of the leading builders and developers and 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 actually some of our affordable housing uh entities here who are looking at reducing operating costs uh for their for their tenants buildings um uh, as as we bring the loads down there's a great match with with heat pumps um it's a technology that that works well and it meets our state goals of 90 percent renewable um energy by 2050 is sort of the overriding goal that vermont's striving for um but but the um the the tension that i mentioned is is that um at the same time we we have the the state uh, regulators and the 
um, those that are overseeing state policy, concerned about uh, winter peak issues. And so, uh. how do we how do we mitigate uh, this this um, driving you know electric interest and and drive towards electrification with this this issue I mentioned before about um, needing to make sure that we have enough electric supply uh, to to meet uh, shift our, our our electric peaks from we're sort of balanced in Vermont at least between summer and and winter we had historically been a winter peaking. Um, system, but we got most everybody off electric heat, and now that's sort of coming around again. And how do we address that? What are what are the appropriate uh, resources, renewable resources, to meet those needs? Um, so that's that's sort of the the challenge and and the um, the, the 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 tension that's that's going on. Uh, you know, almost in some cases, almost in in uh, different. Different sides of the same organization, or um, you know, yeah. that, are, that are out there trying to do electric planning and 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 uh, and advocacy for for getting us towards renewables at the same time. That's tricky. Uh, no easy answers, I don't think, on that one. No, um, no. I, I, although, you know, so we we um, some of the solutions could could be around utility scale storage and and. Um, or, or you know, or distributed storage, storage as, as as well. So as we see the the price of, of batteries coming down, which which it has rapidly, um, are there opportunities for us to have you know a container sized batteries that that store renewably generated electricity from PV or wind? During the day, um, actually, wind is a different issue because it, it, a lot of times it blows. You know, it'll blow at night as well too. But right. at least we've got a lot of PV resources that 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 don't meet that nighttime heating demand. And could storage be a, a part of that solution? I'd like to think that it, that it is. And we need to get our our, our incentives right. Uh, our, our really, it's our rates designed right so that we encourage that to happen. And that's gonna that's gonna help. Uh, move things in that direction and and try to head off the the, the peak issues. A- avoid turning on those dirty peaker plants um, and, and at night when it's coldest out and people's heat pumps and electric heater are, are are all turning on. Interesting. So so looking ahead, is that is that one of the things you think we'll see? You hope we'll see? It's just evolving rate design to make um, all aspects of this more. Practical and more palatable. Yeah, I think like I, I think like a lot of things, it, it just um, the, the 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 regulation to some extent sort of trails behind the the innovators and and the the trends in the market. The you know mar- market team tends tends to respond quicker than the policy and the regulatory environment does. And, and um, I know there's, there's a lot of conversation, at least here, and I, I know elsewhere as well, at least in the, in the Northeast and the region, uh, about, about storage as, as, as we, um, the sort of overarching, uh, overriding goals that most of the Northeastern states have is, is some, some large percentage of, of the electric grid being renewable um, going forward. Uh, and so how, how do we get, get there and, and, um, 
and meet those meet those goals. And I think that the, there need to be some signals to the market uh, that support support those sort of over, uh, higher level policies. And a lot of that is is going to going to be through through rates and um, and providing incentives to to just just I mean, the reason that we have so much solar in in certain states and not others is because of of uh, net metering and feed-in tariff incentives, and you know, so there, 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 there's policy and there's dollars that that went along with that policy to to drive those market uh, market decisions that that the market then responds to those situations that are put into place. But on storage, I think it's the same same case. If we had, if we if we are able to value the time of day in the in the rate design, and you. And you had to, um, you know, you were basically incentivized by for, for, um, uh, for not using uh, electricity during peak times. Um, there, there would be some some more in- incentives for putting storage in place, or for the market to to come forward with storage solutions that would be. Um, Cheaper uh, potentially. I mean, that that would be, or you have have incentives to to store and use your own on-site electricity uh, rather than relying on on more expensive, dirtier uh, electricity at, at peak times from the grid. Yeah, and and you know, there's I know some different utilities, some different regulators are are playing with things like that, uh, but it's not. Uh, well, you're probably more familiar with them than I am, but it, there's definitely a move in that direction. A lot of places. Yeah, there is. I mean, California. Uh, California has been thinking about this for a while. They're 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 pretty aggressive in in all of this, and and they now have this time differentiated rate where every 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 at least every hour of the day, if not every fifteen minutes of the day, uh, is valued differently, and and so. Um, that that gets pretty complicated, but as <laughs> as we as we get more sophisticated with with controls and 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 having algorithms that drive decisions, uh, if they're price signals that are built into rates that encourage people to to um, use or not use electricity at different different times of day, that that can get translated into real dollars and encourages people to make decisions that that. Um, uh, that, that that align, hopefully align with what what the policies are in, in moving us towards renewables. So that's that may be more that that may be more than what we had, had wanted to, you know, wanted to focus on in terms of buildings and, and heat pumps. But really, it's all connected, and it's you know, it's, oh, it's, it's really huge. sort of yeah, it's, you know, it's it's really interesting to 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 see this push and pull between. Individual choices at the at the consumer level with this technology that now works in our our, our climates and it's this cheap uh, cheaper PV opportunities um, and how that impacts our our public policy and our rate making and and our, our our grid infrastructure it's 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 all in flux and and changing rapidly and and it always will be <laughs> right yes <I> <laughs> so aside. Aside from storage, are there other kind of uh, other technologies you're hoping for, you're wishing for, you see on the on the in the near future? Well, I, I, you know, as as we try to figure out where heat pumps fit into the 
into the building space uh, as we've got these really lofty goals in in our northeastern states around uh, decarbonization and electrification um, and weaning weaning our uh, weaning us off of off of fossil fuels. I mean, there's there's a tremendous a tremendous amount of work to be done in the transportation sector, but we're really focusing uh. on the on the building sector here. Um, we've got a lot of a lot of buildings in the Northeast that that burn delivered fuels, fuel oil, propane, um, and if we can displace that with heat pumps, um, there'll be some significant savings there too. Um, and uh, but we have yet to really uh, figure out how to best integrate the heat pumps and the existing heating plants that are in our in our buildings, furnaces, and, and boilers, and. And uh, there's some mixed messaging going out there about just run these things down to certain temperatures. You know, run, run the heat pump down to 25 degrees, then turn on your heating system, and and or or just running during the, the shoulder seasons and run your your traditional heating system the rest of the time. And then others saying no, just set them and forget them. Um, and and but set your thermostat a little lower, and the the, the uh, central existing heating system will will kick in to to sort of fill in the the gaps when the when the heat pumps aren't able to meet the load of the building. Um, but we we have yet to see sort of smart integrated controls that that um, provide um, good economic uh, outcomes for the for the consumer. Um, People, you know, on any given day, it might be above 25 degrees, then below 25 degrees. Are we expecting people to sort of turn their systems on and off? I don't <laughs> think so. Um, uh, and and as well, there, the one size does not fit all. They, right. you know, depending on whether you're you're buying propane at, at three or four dollars a gallon, uh, I saw it at more than four dollars a gallon for small wow. deliveries the other day. Actually, for me, because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we, we don't we, we don't we don't use very much, and so it was. I was just outraged. So anyhow, with expensive propane and oil, and relative to. The electric rates. Um, who's sort of optimizing? Uh, and at the same time, we've got differing efficiencies, different COPs of the heat pumps based on the outdoor air tem- temperature. Um, so it's going to cost it's it, it's going to cost um, more per BTU delivered at colder temperatures from a heat pump than it is at warmer temperatures. How does that delivered BTU cost per delivered BTU compare to? Cost per delivered BTU from your furnace or boiler. Well, we can't expect uh, consumers to make those choices. Right. We we need to figure out controls that optimize uh, which systems to run um, and maybe prioritize the electric over over the delivered fuels if if there's some sort of uh, some sort of factor or value for carbon impact that somebody wants to layer in as well too. But we, we need to we need to have better. Smarter controls that will help optimize uh, the performance of our our systems, especially as we have multiple um, heating and potentially cooling systems in in our buildings. And we're and and, and so uh, I I think that's another area of of opportunity that we really haven't figured out yet. And um, maintain we, comfort, we, we, I would add. And maintain comfort. Yeah, I mean that's the bottom line. Well, I mean that's one of the bottom lines right. for consumers: comfort, comfort, and cost. Um, so, 
how, how do we deliver that in a, in a way that's simple and, and makes sense and, and maybe it responds in real time to, to, uh, to the, uh, the, the cost of the fuels and the outdoor temperature, the efficiency of the system. And grid so, signals. That anyhow, there's a lot of work to before. be done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So, where can people find out more about you and some of these programs? We can link on our uh, on our show notes page. Your website uh, is energyfuturesgroup.com. All right. It's a mouthful, but somebody already had efg.com <laughs> reserved. So it's, so it's ener- energyfuturesgroup.com. You'll otherwise you'll get to somewhere in in uh, Australia. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. <laughs> And there's there's uh, a you, you mentioned a video we'll link to a video of the uh, showing some showcases of the the zero energy now. Yeah, our website does have some um, links to some of our projects, um, all of our projects on there, and and uh, there's a there's a page on the on the building. You can actually uh, see our, our our consumption in real time. Our our e gauge monitor uh, feeds. Um, feeds the data up to the web, and so there's a link there. Uh, you can see how how poorly it performs on a day like today, where the snow is covering our solar panels, yet our heat pumps are on. But then in the summertime, how how much how much electricity uh, kilowatt hours we're banking, waiting gotcha. for the winter, as as uh, we have no, no loads and, and a lot of sun. Anyhow, yeah, uh, cool. Excellent, and we'll provide links to all that. Well, this is a lot, Richard. There's lots going on, but uh, thank you very much for for joining us. Good. Well, I appreciate the conversation. We've all got a lot of lot of work to do, and I think we still have a lot to learn. Oh, <laughs> so it's it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Buildings and Beyond. For more information about the topics discussed today, visit www.swinter.com slash podcast and check out the episode show notes. Buildings and Beyond is brought to you by Stephen Winter Associates. We provide energy, green building, and accessibility consulting services to improve the built environment. Our professionals have led the way since 1972 in the development of best practices to achieve high-performance buildings. Our production team for today's episode includes Dylan Martello, Alex Mirable, and myself, Heather Breslin. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.